Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're grateful to be in your presence. Thank you for always being with us whenever we gather together. Uh, thank you for the gift of uh, little people in our midst. For Mabel this morning, God, we're grateful for her and for so many others. We're thankful to be in this school where we know that you're at work every single day. That you've invited us to be part of the life of the school, so we continue to pray for the last few weeks. Children would be able to hang in there before summer break. The teachers would have extra patience. Uh, Year-end testing would go well, God, that you would provide your shalom peace in every classroom, that children would know that, that you're loved by you. Thank you for the privilege of, of being together and listening to your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We're in the middle of a series called Led by Jesus. And it's a compliment to conversation we were having before Easter about how Jesus saves us, and now we've been talking about how Jesus leads us on a practical sort of day-to-day -day level. And we've been using different images in Scripture to think about the ways in which Jesus leads us. So uh, you've noticed these images on the screen. We've talked about Jesus as a shepherd, Jesus as a teacher, Jesus as a prophet. Uh, and today I have the unenvi unenviable task of talking about Jesus as a judge, uh, and, and the ways in which Jesus leads us by being a judge. So if you came to church hoping to hear about judgment and judgmentalism, you win today. Congratulations. I know that many people in this church are well aware that just about every survey that's taken about Christians and about churches, uh, turns out that people who aren't Christians think that we're judgmental and hypocritical, right? You've heard that before. There's a lot of people in this church who understand that and are working really hard to figure out how not to be so judgmental uh, and therefore hypocritical and to be more gracious towards people who think differently, live differently, look differently than them. We also have a lot of people in our church at Mill City who have had really bad experiences with churches and Christians and pastors, people who claim to be speaking for God and who really hurt them by expressing judgment over them instead of inviting them into the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. And so maybe that's part of your story this morning, uh, and that may make this uh, an important or difficult topic for you. It's really important for us to understand what our role is when it comes to judgment in order for us to, A, repair our reputation in the United States so that not everybody thinks that we're a bunch of of judgmental people, which we sometimes are, and B, so that we understand rightly what the scripture is trying to say about who's judging who and whose role is whose. And we're going to dig into some of that today. So here's the tension point that I think is going to come out that maybe is what makes this, one of the things that makes this conversation so hard for us. And that is, we have to find a way to hold the tension between recognizing it's not our job to judge people. That scripture says that very clearly. We're going to look at it in a second. But we also have convictions about things, right? We believe things. And, and some of us believe things very strongly and think that there's a lot at stake based on our beliefs. Some of those beliefs even have something to do with life or death sorts of situations, spiritually speaking. So here's the tension. How do you not be judgy, is what I kept saying to the team this week. Don't be so judgy. We need to be less judgy. How do we not be judgmental towards people, but still hold convictions about things? And that's what I'm hoping we can 
make some progress on this morning. So I want to start with one of the most famous sayings of Jesus. You hear this saying quoted all the time. If you have a Bible, it's in Matthew chapter 7. It'll be on the screen for you. Jesus says pretty bluntly, right? Many of you know this. He says, do not judge. Now, Jesus is sometimes real ambiguous with lots of stories that involve farming and all kinds of other confusing things. This is not, this is not hard to understand, right? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge other people, you will be judged, and the measure you use, which means like the way in which you're judging the people, that's how you're going to be judged. So however you decide other people should behave, you're going to be judged on the same scale. Do not judge or you're going to be judged. Pretty straightforward, right? Jesus is teaching uh, that it's not our job to judge other people. Here's the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the same, same verses in the message translation of the Bible that he worked on. It's a little more colloquial. He says, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's a great word, isn't it? If you jump on people's failures, criticize their faults, and pick on people, you're going to get that back in your own life, is part of what Jesus is, is saying here. It creates... This creates a cycle of judgment. When we start being judgmental towards other people and judging folks, it creates a whole culture of judgment where everybody else picks up on the fact that we ought to be judging other people. And then you all of a sudden have whole communities of judgment. And the cycle perpetuates itself. If you judge someone, they want to judge you back, right? Like, well, who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to do? You, you have XYZ problem, and I'm going to judge you back. And it just gets worse and worse. This is a huge problem in the Christian community. It's not only a problem between Christians and people who don't believe the same thing as Christians. It's also a problem between Christians who are of different theological persuasions, if you will, different perspectives on how to be a Christian. Christians can be judgmental, especially towards other Christians. We're quick to decide that other people are wrong and that we're right and that their choices are bad and our choices are good. And we can even get to the spot where we think it's our job to judge other people in our effort to stand up for what is right. Now, this creates all sorts of problems uh, in a number of ways. One, people end up feeling judged by Christians in a way that when someone walks through this door, some of you come here often feel relatively comfortable popping into this school and participating in a Mill City worship service. But for someone who's coming in for the first time, they might be terrified. You might not be able to look at, you might be able to tell by looking at them, but they might be terrified that they wore the wrong thing, that they don't know when to stand up or to sit down, that they're not gonna know who to sit with, that they don't know if you're supposed to get coffee in the middle of the service or not, if this guy who's standing up here is gonna ask them to do something weird. They have all sorts of anxiety about being judged in some way for not knowing how we do it or what they're supposed to do, or even deeper than that, that they might be judged if people found out what they were really like and what they'd really done in their lives. So they don't go to church because they don't want to experience that. Christians have trouble because 
we can't work together many times with other Christians because we've sort of excommunicated each other. We don't even know that we can be in the same room. I know Christians who won't pray with other Christians because they've decided they're heretics in one way, shape, or form. Church communities end up becoming these insider communities, social clubs that judge people outside of their social club as a way to protect themselves from the ways the world is changing all around them. It's a self-protective mechanism we use to help ourselves. Judging excludes people. It leads to bitterness. It leads to hypocrisy, as Jesus points out. And it leads to self-righteousness because we have to think we're right over against someone else in order to stay who we are and affirm our identity. So Jesus tells us not to judge other people because it hurts them and it hurts us and it creates a cycle of judgment that perpetuates itself on and on and on and on and on. And we see that, right? We have examples of that. Everybody? Some nod? Four of you agree with me. All right, here we go. It's not hard to get on board, I don't think, with the do not judge part of this equation. Right? Do not judge is pretty easy to sell in today's culture. But how do you then hold on to things that you feel convicted about, that you think are true about God, true about what God wants us to do with our lives, without coming across as judgmental or without disobeying what Jesus is saying when he says, do not judge? Part of the answer to that question is to realize that when Jesus says, do not judge, that doesn't mean anything goes. Okay? Do not judge doesn't mean do whatever you want and don't tell anybody else what to do, okay? This is the hard part now. We have to make judgments. Everybody does. We have to make judgments. We can't stop making judgments about what we think is right or what we think is best. Every day, we're trying to make the best judgments we can about what to do with our lives, aren't we? We can't stop doing that. Jesus says, Paul says, other people in the scriptures say, you judge for yourself what is right and what is wrong and act accordingly. It's up to you to make the best judgment you can about whether you agree with what I'm saying or not. Okay, because I feel like this is an intense sermon, I'm now going to use a dumb illustration to lighten the room, okay, so you can see if it works. On my block in uh, northeast Minneapolis, everybody has a lawn. Almost everybody has grass, okay? Do you live around people with grass? Does anyone know why we all have grass? If you do, explain that to me later. I don't totally understand it. Okay. Everybody on my block has grass. Everyone else on my block expects people to cut their grass and get real mad if people wait too long to cut their grass. Does that happen in your neighborhood? Okay. Now, added layer in Northeast Minneapolis. You have to decide which machine you're going to use to cut your grass. Depending on what you pick, there's going to be a lot of judgment from the neighbors. Okay? Let me lay it out for you, all right? Tell me if you've experienced this. First option, good old-fashioned gas-powered lawnmower. I, I hesitate to do this. Raise your hand if you're a gas-powered lawnmower person. Feel the judgment in the room. All right. Cool. So some of my neighbors would say to you gas-powered gas lawn people, look, you're completely destroying the earth. You have no respect for the environment. These things pollute like crazy and make tons of noise and ruin everyone's life. I can't believe that you care more about your grass being even than about saving the world. 
and the rest of us, right? Now, it's Minnesota, so no one ever says it like that. <laughs> That's what they think in their head when they walk by your house, seeing you push your gas-powered lawnmower. All right, option number two, electric lawnmower. Who's the electric lawnmower people? I see all four of you. Awesome. Okay, I don't have an electric lawnmower, but this is what I think the electric lawnmower thing is. So I care about the environment. I don't want to spill ozone all over the place, but I actually want to cut my grass. So I'm going to buy an electric lawnmower and buy a super long cord that somehow goes all the way around my house, I don't know how, and cut and somehow cut the grass, and I can get a good, nice-looking lawn and not destroy the earth, right? Seems like a pretty good option. Trev, that's your thinking, isn't it? I know you've thought about it. All right. Okay, or you can be like me, all right? Feel the judgment. Here it comes. I was forced into buying a real lawnmower, R-E-E-L. Don't be confused with R-E-A-L. A real lawnmower. You sharpen it every year. There's no power except you. You push it. The thing spins. It cuts every third blade of grass perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. If you don't believe me, come by my lawn. It'll, it's going to look awesome. It just looks amazing, okay? Now, I'm not polluting anything, and when gas-powered lawnmower guy comes by, I go, man, hey, my lawn looks terrible, but you care. I'm saving the earth, and you are ruining our lives. All right, again, Minnesota, nobody ever says anything like that, but they're thinking it, aren't they? They're thinking it. Right, okay, so here's the point. Everyone, even when it comes to mowing your lawn, is making judgments about what they think is best. You've got to pick. Cut your lawnmower with a gas, electric, real, throw the wood chips down just as you've given up and you don't want to deal with the grass anymore. I'm close to that. I'm, I'm, I'm almost in that camp. You're making judgments. You might not be saying them out loud, but you have to make a choice. You don't get to just not make a choice. And, and, and to some degree, you kind of think the other people should maybe be with you. If you're an electric lawnmower person, you're kind of like, why doesn't everybody have an electric? If you're a gas if you all would cut your grass, you know our property value would go up because it looks terrible right now. It would look better if you're a real person. So how do we make these judgments and acknowledge that we're going to do this anyway? There's no way to go through life without making some judgments about what you think is best from mundane things like cutting your grass to what you think or is true about God and about how we should live our lives. Okay, so a common way to understand what Jesus is saying when he says, do not judge in the cultures that we all live in is something like, we should not make any judgments about what other people are doing with their lives as long as they're not hurting anybody. Anybody heard that or thought that? We should not make any judgments about what anybody else is doing as long as they're not hurting anybody else. I hear that from people, I sense it. Sometimes this is called tolerance, all right? Not all the time, and I'm not here to try to pick on tolerance, but sometimes it's called tolerance. And I think the primary answer for most people, even though they might not have this conversation quite this way, is to say that the way, the antidote to judgmentalism is tolerance. Okay? The way to not be judgmental is to be more tolerant. And here's, so here's the problem I have with this. I can see to a degree where if tolerance means that we have to learn about how other people are living their lives and, and not just hang out with people that are like us and expand our horizons a little bit and understand that not everybody has to live the same way we do or cut our grass 
the same way we do, that could be very healthy and very helpful. But here's what I think a version of tolerance has come to mean. Tolerance means no one has any right to tell anybody else how to live their life. No one should try to influence anybody else's thinking about how they spend their money, about how they engage in relationships or marriage, treat the environment, think about politics, or understand God. We should all do our best to respect the rights of other people to make up their own minds about all these things without any influence from us. Now, here's, here's my problem with this. It is absolutely impossible to go through your life and not have any influence over the people around you or to pretend that your choices about things that matter don't affect the people that are sitting all around you. We do not live in some kind of weird individualistic boxes that don't affect anyone else, right? We live in a community where it's impossible to abstain from influencing others or to have your choices not influence other people's lives. So we have to make judgments. We have to make calls about what we think is best. But we don't have to be judgmental. All right? Here's how uh, Matt Woodley puts it in a commentary he wrote on the book of Matthew. He says, As followers of Jesus, we must make judgments because it's impossible to live without making judgments. But we're also called to offer our judgments with a radically different spirit. Jesus calls us to avoid getting trapped in the cycle of self-righteous judgment and condemnation. We have to make judgments, but we can offer our judgments with a radically different spirit. As Christians, shouldn't we be the ones who are the most humble about offering our opinions and our judgments about what's best in life? Because our faith, our way of understanding the world involves us embracing our brokenness and realizing that the God of the universe has saved us and given us grace and mercy even though we didn't deserve any of it. And so shouldn't the culture of Christian community be of this deep humility of embracing one's brokenness and fighting against pride, thinking that we have deserved anything. We admit our need for God and God's mercy in our lives, and that's our starting place. That's our core part of our story as Christian people. I think we can hold this tension between having convictions uh, and not judging by recognizing that it's ultimately not our job to judge folks. So I want to talk about that for a second. There is a judge, and judgments have to be made. There is a judge. The judge is just not you, and it isn't me. So Jesus goes on from saying, do not judge, to then tell us that he is the judge. He's going to do the judging. We desperately, in our culture today, we need just and righteous judges, don't we? Can you imagine society without good judges? It's chaos, right? In human history, it's chaos if you don't have people who can help make good and just calls. And judging, if any of you have worked as a judge or for a judge, you know judging is hard work because being a judge comes with great responsibility and enormous power 
Judges can dramatically affect the lives of the people that they have influence over. Some judge well, some judge poorly. And the impact is enormous. My friend, my, my friend who is my best man in my wedding, Jordan, he spent 10 years as a public defender down in New Orleans uh, defending juveniles who are accused of crimes in an extremely corrupt legal system. And one of the stories that stuck with me from his time there was when he told me, when I graduated from Stanford Law School, I decided to go to New Orleans because my assumption was, if a really smart person with really good training makes the right argument for poor kids who can't afford any other kind of defense, then justice will be done. And the first time that I stood in the courtroom and I did my homework and I made the right argument on behalf of a poor kid and presented it to the judge, and the judge looked at me and just totally disregarded what I said and decided the fate of this young man however the judge wanted to, totally uh, disregarding my argument, he said, something in me broke. Because I realized that I, there, I was powerless. Even, even someone with the training and experience that I had was powerless to do anything for this 13-year-old in this moment. Because the judge decided to do whatever the judge wanted to do. We desperately need good judges. Jesus says he's going to be our judge. So that means, as Christians, we have to start from the place of saying there is a judge, his name is Jesus, I'm not the judge, you're not the judge, and thank goodness we're not the judge, right? Does anybody want that job, really? Does anybody in the room want to be in charge of judging someone else's heart and connection to God? I don't. The weight of the responsibility of that goes even beyond the influence of a judge in a New Orleans juvenile defense courtroom. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 5. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. The Bible says that Jesus is the one who defines what is right. Jesus is our judge. Scripture teaches us in several different places that every one of us will have to give an account someday to Jesus for what we did, both words and actions. We're all going to have that judge experience. Not by each other. I'm not judging you, you're not judging me but before Jesus. That's the Christian way of understanding this. So being led by Jesus on a daily basis means that we have respect for the fact that Jesus is going to be the one who determines how well we lived our lives. He's our audience. Jesus is the one who defines for us what living a good life is like. Okay, so it's important to remember that the way of life that Jesus teaches us, which we're talking about week in and week out at Mill City Church, is different than many of the other teachings on how to live life that we all hear about it, that we all experience, and that other people that we know believe and live out. The way of Jesus is different than the perspective offered by other religious views or by people who are agnostic or people who are atheist or folks who have embraced humanism as a way of seeing the world. Jesus has a different opinion about what is most important in life 
than any of those other views. There are some common spaces, but there's also important differences. I was in a meeting with a group of church leaders, and one of the persons pulled me aside at lunch and said, you're talking too much about what Christians do. This was a training for Christian people, so I was a little confused. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, we don't, we're not really interested in that. We're, we, we think there are just a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different gods. They all have different names, but they're basically all the same thing. And so we don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the distinctly Christian way of doing life is. Wow, I was blown away. I sat there at lunch. I said, all due respect, ma'am, I know we just, we just met. I don't mean to offend you. I said, but I couldn't disagree with you more. And here's why I disagree with you. I live in a part of Minneapolis that's full of all kinds of religious views. I walk by Buddhist temples. I, I know lots of Muslims in my neighborhood. And if they were all sitting here right now, and you just said to them about their religion what you said to me, they'd be upset. Because they don't think that. They don't think that all gods lead to the same place. They don't think that uh, everybody has a different name for God and it doesn't really matter. They have perspective. It's different than Jesus' perspective. And we can be very respectful about those differences. And we can partner and do things in the neighborhood. But let's not pretend that they're all the same in the name of tolerance or something else. Because that's just disrespectful to people's perspectives. Jesus says that the Father has entrusted this judging to him, and everyone will honor him because he is the judge. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. So what kind of judge is Jesus? If Jesus is the judge, we should probably know. My friends who are lawyers, they study the judges, so they know what arguments judges like, what procedures judges like. They, they do their homework. What sort of judge is Jesus? He goes from saying, I'm the judge, the Father has given me all the power to be the judge, to then in the next sentence saying, whoever hears my word, whoever believes the Father who sent me, has a different kind of life, an eternal life, that will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. A, the Christian antidote to judgmentalism is not tolerance. It's God's grace and God's mercy. It's recognizing and honoring the differences of the people in our community and honestly and humbly acknowledging those differences and still trying to persuade people and influence people that your view of who Jesus is and the grace and the mercy that comes through the judge who gets off from behind the bench and takes the sentence of the person being judged. That's the kind of judge that Jesus is. He gets up in the judge's chair and immediately says, if you love me and trust me and accept my gift, you're not going to be judged. Well, that's not very good judging in some way, right? In our way of thinking. He says, I will take the punishment for you and you will be set free to live a totally different kind of life. So as Christians, how can we be judgmental? Can't we say with conviction 
that we believe that Jesus is the judge and the judge has a message for anyone who's going to be judged without trying to help everybody feel like we have sentenced them to something? It's not our job to judge them. We were people who were going to be judged who found out that this judge was willing to relieve our sentence if we simply walked forward and accepted the gift that God gave us through Jesus' death and resurrection. How can our response be condemning of other people when you were a condemned person yourself? Instead, can't we engage in conversations? Don't we desperately need, in the United States of America, a space where people feel respected and honored for their differences, where we don't pretend like everybody is the same. We sit at tables and we say, I have a conviction, I have a passion, I have a way of viewing the world. I would love to share it with you. And I also want to listen carefully to what you think. And maybe I'll learn something, because maybe everything that I think isn't quite right yet. Has anyone in here ever been wrong about anything? Wow, you guys are unique. I want the church to be known as this humble, gracious space where people aren't afraid to say that they have convictions, but they have convictions as people who have no business having any pride over those convictions because Jesus has done everything for them at, you know, without them deserving any of it. What would it be like if the people could walk through that back door and not be thinking, I wonder if I wore the right shirt, but rather... Man, I can't believe there's a group of people who are interested to know my name and my background and what I think and that will listen carefully to who I am and what my life has been like. Wouldn't that be different? All right, for communion today, let me invite the band to come back up. I think the best response to this is for us to see communion today, one facet of communion, as our need to reconnect with our own need for forgiveness and the humility it takes to come forward and accept this unbelievable gift from Jesus. And say, Jesus died, Jesus came back to life, Jesus offered his body, even though he had no sin and deserved no judgment, to be judgment for us so that we might be set free. So I want you to take a couple minutes before you come up for communion. The way we practice it here at Mill City is you come up when you're ready, some people will be standing here, take the gluten-free bread, dip it in the juice, and then walk back along the aisles where there'll be people who would love to pray for you if you have anything that you'd love to stop and let them pray for. But when you come forward today, take a minute to ask for God's forgiveness about when you've acted as if you were the judge. Ask for God's forgiveness any time that you can remember where you have acted as the judge. Receive God's forgiveness for ways in which you know you've ignored Jesus' leading in your life. Ask God to give you a spirit of humility and courage when you engage with other people around the most important topics in life. There's a lot at stake in this. We cannot be sidelined because we're considered judgmental. We have got to repair that reputation and bring the grace and mercy that Jesus offers with conviction into these conversations with others who don't think the same thing and don't live the same way, respecting them and loving them in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray that you begin to change the story around your church, especially in the United States, God, around us being judgmental and hypocritical. Help us to be open in our conversations about our faults. Help us to lead with our need for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. Help us to be humble in our messages and conversations with others who don't think the same way as us. Bring glory to your name in the way that your church engages in conversation, doesn't judge others or pretend like it's our job to judge others, but still voices the things that we care about and lives them out with passion by the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, God, where we have been judgmental towards other people, where we've been closed off and afraid, where we've made people feel like they didn't deserve your love or couldn't even enter your presence to find out who you were. Forgive us. Open our hearts and our minds to embrace those who do not yet know you. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, even this week, chances that we have to listen deeply to other people and to share what we care about humbly and graciously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Radical disagreements with? Sought him out. They came to see him. He, He would sit with them and talk to them and ask them their name and honor them in ways that nobody else would. And then he would go, what what are you doing? Why are you living your life this way? Why don't you come to me and have life? Somehow we've got to find a way to emulate that by the power of God's spirit. That we can be known as welcoming and accepting people who are also passionate about what we believe and able to share that and listen to others. So I, I pray that you would find an example, an opportunity to do that this week. Keep your eyes open. I think God's going to give you a chance love somebody and listen to them and also share what you care about and what you think life is truly about in Jesus name. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for being with us. God bless you all.